Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the Tito Project, <laughs> a podcast with Din and Tita K, where we talk about the curiosities and concerns of the titas of today. This is where we figure things out one chica at a time. Let's more than just survive, let's thrive. Don't forget to share us with your friends. Hello everyone, I'm Tim. <clears throat> I'm Tita K. <laughs> it's 2024, and if there's one thing both astrologers and business leaders agree on, it's that 2024 is going to be a pivotal year. Astrologer or finance guy, they collectively seem to agree that the shifts will be subtle, but the impact will forever change the way things are done. And to quote visionary investor Ray Dalio, these changes will be felt in markets, economies, domestic and world order, geopolitical and economic issues, the handling of the climate, and technology issues. If that sounds intimidating, it is talaga! What do these shifts mean for us and our children who will be riding the crest of these changes? Change is difficult. Will our children be mentally and emotionally ready for a new world and a new way of doing things? Especially these days when the talk among the titas are of kids going through anxiety and depression, which has become more common than it should. Inspired by our insightful chat with Lakan, Mitch, Sasha, and Leah from our last episode on family and work-life balance, give it a listen if you still haven't. We've invited Sasha to join us once again to share with us how she is embracing the ever-changing tides with a healthy and balanced outlook on life, which began with working on herself and in the process overcoming depression, anxiety, and suicidal ideation. Joining Sasha is her mentor, Rega Stellar Pe, a world-class intuitive forecaster, spiritual mentor, and senior healer. She serves in leadership roles within three international organizations, Be Life, Institute for Higher Consciousness, Wisdom Institute for Leadership and Global Advancements, and the World Institute for Incurable Diseases. Within the WIID, she leads the DABSEM line, producing unparalleled energy healing solutions for depression, anxiety, burnout, and sleep disorders. Are you ready to make sense of this depression phenomenon, MFO? Game, let's start! Let's start off by introducing our guests, Sasha Bautista, the youngest professional at the World Institute for Incurable Diseases and a trainer at BE Life or B Life Institute for Higher Consciousness. Sasha has accumulated a wealth of experience in leading self-care and self-development programs for private groups and corporate organizations. Through her work, she aims to provide the youth and families with practical tools and wisdom early on in the face of modern life complexities, enabling them to achieve their greatest potential. Sasha's own mental health journey has inspired her to help others facing similar challenges. Guided by renowned life mentors Master Del Pe and Rega Stellar Pe, her transformation has made her a symbol of hope for troubled youth and families seeking solutions for physical, energetic, emotional, mental, and spiritual imbalances and conditions, and those yearning to take charge of their lives, especially during these rapidly changing times. We are also fortunate to be joined by Rega Stellar Pe, who teaches quality parenting for modern families as well as pregnancy and parenting for advanced soul children, bringing about new philosophies and practical applications to harmonize family life and bring families to live legendary lives together. Welcome to the podcast, Rega, and welcome back, Sasha! Woohoo! Hello! It's so good to be back and bringing this time, Rega. Hey, Jen, hey, Kara. It's such a pleasure to be here with all of you today. Yes, yes. Super thank you for joining us today. And this is our first podcast episode for 2024 and really wanted to start the year with a topic that a lot of our listeners can relate to. Um, yeah, I mean, why does it seem that experiencing depression and anxiety is so common among kids and teens these days? 
That's a great question. And I can't believe that we're starting off the year. Uh, another year for your podcast channel. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and, you know, um, I think it's just timely that you touched on this topic. I've, I'm a specialist in depression and anxiety, and I've been working with experts from around the world. You know, we deal with everything from dysthymia to major depression to bipolarity, seasonal depression, even postpartum depression for women. But when it comes to kids, you'll be surprised how many children today are depressed because life is not as predictable as before. There was, I think, a space or a gap in the way that we're raising children today where I see that the fulfillment that kids get from being able to achieve and maximize the meaning in their life is now giving space to a kind of emptiness. So I see kids who are depressed by suffering through traumas, even young ones, you know, a lot of them who have traumas from their childhood. Sometimes parents recognize these traumas and other times they have no idea what's going on until the point that we talk to the kids. Now there also, I think, is another extreme or another end of the polarity where we have high-performing children who are depressed internally. Mm. And this is very, very hard to detect, you know. These are called high-functioning depressives. They are high-functioning kids. You might see them as super achievers. You might see them as top of their class. You might see that they can get everything done, and yet they feel empty inside. And when they get away from the hustle and the bustle, they feel depressed internally. So eventually they keep on retreating inward until that point of time when you don't know what happened and suddenly they are in a major depressive crisis and nobody knew what hit. So kids now are having more pressure than before. I think our lives were simpler. Now they have become more complicated. They have more performance pressure. There are more parameters for them to evaluate and succeed or fail. There's more competitiveness. At the same time, there is, I would say, a certain gap or an, uh, a lacking in terms of the availability of parents, because parents are also getting busier, and the quality of interaction and ability to diffuse pressure with their friends or their schoolmates, because most of them or many of them are now online. Or they're so busy shuffling around from one after-school activity to the other that they don't have the empty time to bond and just decompress, you know? So we lost that value. We forgot about the value of empty free time. We went to this place where we thought that as much as you can compact the, the schedule of your kid, like it has to look insane. You have to fill everything for every hour. They're so driven. And we forgot to put the empty gaps to let them be, let them explore, let them decompress, let them figure out what would they do if there was nothing to do. They would have to express their innermost concerns, their, their well-being, their needs. They have to look inward. So the looking inward is almost gone <laughs> in most of the kids today i don't think children are being trained how to reflect on themselves internally and these are some of the symptoms in society that you can you know later on you see it in statistics like when they say that okay six million youth in the philippines are depressed or 18 million in the u.s or we talk about different statistics like in the last four years depression uh, and anxiety in the youth has doubled where is all this coming from so so these there are many factors and symptoms that go into it but you know the most important lesson for us is to figure out how to balance the life of kids even before they're depressed because I'm sure you have so many listeners and such a loyal following on your podcast here and and maybe not all your kids are depressed right maybe some so our question is, how is this relevant to everyone? We need to figure out how to bring balance in the life of the children. 
how to empower and embolden their path ahead with new principles, new philosophies, and new strategies so that they don't have to go to that point, you know? And, and for those who are depressed, you have to stay tuned in because we will, I'll try my best to share some insights and tips as we move forward. So I hope that answers your question. Yes, 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 it does. Um, you're right. The value of boredom. It's so like everyone's in a great rush to get somewhere to do something. And it has been so difficult to sit still. This is this goes for, for both adults and children. <laughs> I know this because I now teach yin yoga. And I always, <laughs> the first thing I do is make my students sit still. That's the first thing we do. And it's hard. It's the <laughs> hardest thing. And um, yeah, even for my son who um, he has autism, the first skill that they teach you in therapy is a sitting skill. You have to sit first. And so that you can be more open to, to, to other activities. But anyway, I digress. Sorry about that. So, Rega. No, that, that's perfect. <laughs> that, that actually draws so well on what I was saying because I believe that, you know, um, it's, it's doing nothing is so hard. The hardest mm-hmm. thing is to do nothing, <laughs> you would assume. But um, it's easy to be quiet and be still when your emotions and your mind are calm. See, when your emotions are calm and your mind is clear, you can sit still. But if I tell you, like if I tell a kid or even if I tell an adult, like be still, just be still. You know how it says on the Psalm, be still and know that I'm God. You have to mm-hmm. be still first before you can reflect and connect to a higher power. Exactly. Yeah. And all many, many, um, many, many faiths talk about um the the importance of stillness without stillness um there is nothing okay so going back to depression how do we know this is such an important question i feel how do we know when it is a clinical case or if or when someone is just sad is just going through the the sads <laughs> or feeling down how how does depression differ from just being sad That's a very good question. And I think it's a thin line. It's a thin line. Uh, As far as pharmacological intervention is concerned, it's a thin line. But of course, from my perspective, I've been an uh, expert in energy medicine, so I can share something fresh, you know. When When we look at the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for Mental Health, uh, we usually talk about if you want to say somebody is depressed, they should have a certain kind of low or sad mood, irritable mood. Uh, They usually lose interest or pleasure in almost all the activities that they're doing. You know, as if you become disinterested. The things that used to interest you before don't anymore. Oftentimes, there's also change in appetite or weight. Either you overindulge and you go to toxicomania, like, you know, you're binging on chocolates and whatever other things, or sometimes even uh, substances that are supposed to be controlled, or other times, Kids just forget about food. Um, I also noticed that uh, there's a big shift in terms of the sleeping patterns. And that's one of the easy ways that parents should be aware of, to really be aware of the sleeping patterns of their kids. Either they have insomnia, like they cannot get out of body. They're sleeping very little, like sleeping very, very late and waking up early. Or on the other end, they might have hypersomnia, They're the kids who are sleeping for 10, 14 hours a day. I've seen this in the youth. They go to bed sometime whenever they want at odd hours. And you can see them. They sleep like a log for 12, 14 hours. Um, Then there's also a few other things like loss of energy, feeling fatigued, some kind of like psychomotor agitation. And most often... Uh, like a clinical kind of case of depression, you know, from, you know, from the books, from the textbook aspect, usually comes with a lot of other emotions, like there could be a sense of worthlessness or guilt or some kind of uh, internal crisis that accompanies the depression. You'll see that they can hardly concentrate on things that they want to do, or they can't make decisions. And sometimes in extreme cases, kids also feel like they might want to commit suicide or they might have thoughts of death. But, um, you know, it's like, for example, 
I think 22% of high schoolers, according to Scripps, had considered attempting suicide just in the past year. That's 2023. So that's a big number. And all of this is depression. But when we talk about, um, let's say, sadness or feeling low, it's usually short term. It's a fleeting experience that comes and eventually leaves and it doesn't leave a lasting impact. It can be associated with certain kind of trauma or any kind of sense of loss. There's usually a reason or a more immediate trigger. Depression tends to stay longer. Like uh, you wanna say at least two to four weeks, sometimes six weeks for different types of depression. Uh, and that's how you get an idea. And you know, um, I find cases who are not always textbook cases. That's the other thing. We forget that anything that a couple of psychologists put down in a textbook was long ago. Right. <laughs> but we're, we're people and we're unique and we present in so many different ways. So sometimes I like to have that allowance for out-of-the-box experiences. Like, for example, kids who are uh, feeling depressed without any reason or cause. They have an inner sense of emptiness. Nothing means anything. And there's no immediate trigger for why they're feeling sad or why they're feeling low, but it keeps on persisting until they have a crisis and they look for more in life. And some of these kids are more advanced. Some of these kids are gifted and they need to awaken early on. So that's how you kind of figure out the differences, you know, for especially when it comes to just figuring out sadness versus depression. The challenge is that According to Big Pharma, you can medicate depression, but you cannot medicate sadness. You can hardly medicate loneliness. It's hard to differentiate between loneliness and sadness, and sadness and depression, and depression and loneliness. So that's where I think energetic assessment comes in. When I see someone who is really sad, the heart energy of their heart becomes smaller and smaller, but the rest of their chakras do not shrink as much or collapse, you know. So this is now going into the domain of uh, energy medicine. But if you see someone who's sad, their emotional energy can be bloated and congested with a lot of pent up emotions. And at the same time, their heart can shrink. Uh, but if you see somebody depressed, they tend to have more significant shift in their energy anatomy. Like since you, you've been teaching yin yoga, right? So this is right up your alley. You know about chakras. You know about energy centers in our body. And uh, when we look at children who are depressed, their crown chakra or sahasra chakra becomes smaller. Their base of the uh, spine or muladhara starts to collapse and become really small, especially for the kids who become like non-functional who have a hard time keeping up with daily activities like getting out of bed, brushing their teeth, as if they don't feel inspired to do even the basics. So there are marked differences that we notice in terms of their energy, in terms of how they experience their daily life. And also, I think uh, it's very important to talk to the kids and really listen in to be able to understand where they are and uh, what are the best ways to bring them out of depression? Yes, I was just about to ask you, yeah, what questions should we be asking someone that we see is struggling with their feelings? Like, okay, obviously this is not just sadness. This is like depression. How, how do we, you know, approach them and what kind of questions should we be asking? As a friend, as a family member. As a family member, yeah. Or a friend, yes. But usually as a parent, because usually it's it's the parents who first, I would say, would notice, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or maybe they're, the friends of your kids would be telling you, you know, I'm concerned about, you know, my friend. And how do we even, you know, because sometimes when it's the parent, the kid shuts down, right? Yeah. Especially if, yeah, if they're depressed. Well, if you can't handle it, to be honest, one of the best ways is to get someone else to help you out. Like, that's one of the reasons why I've trained uh, exceptional youth mentors like Sasha and many more of her kind who are young and who have enough experience and wisdom that they can talk to the young. It's easier. And they can relate. They yeah, can they relate can and relate. they can open up easily. The second is that um, actually before anything, whether it's about depression or any other concern, really, 
you want to sit down, create a safe space and ask the kids to tell you what's, how are they? What's on their mind? You don't have to poke the balloon straight with a stick and say, are you depressed? Everybody's telling me depressed. Why are you depressed? Am I not treating you well enough? Did I not give you everything? <laughs> you don't want to be accusatory. I see a lot of parents get stressed and overwhelmed by the potential or the possibility that their kids could be depressed. So then they react with a lot of anxiety. So before you talk to your kids, you want to be in a calm and aligned space. That's why um, either you want to spend some peaceful time, you want to meditate or pray or whatever works for you, but you first want to be in a calm and aligned space. Don't jump in on a high horse and high anxiety because when you go there, you're just going to overwhelm your child, okay? Um, when you talk to them, ask them, tell me everything you want to tell me whatever you want to say. You don't have to directly poke them with a the stick to say, how come you're depressed? What's going on? How can you how can you possibly be depressed? Like, I thought we've given you the best life, you know? Then that's where kids become defensive. So you let them open up gradually, unfolding. From each question, you ask another search question about going deeper and deeper into their life. Try to understand what's happening in and around them. And then how are they feeling? What are they thinking? And ask them, is there anything I can do to help you? Imagine that you were talking to a friend. What would you do? <laughs> so you talk to your kid. You become an observer and you will do a better job rather than being attached. So if you're inside the problem with them, you, will, you might be easily destabilized or overwhelmed by what they're saying. Or, you know, you might start nitpicking, auditing, or correcting, or justifying what they're saying. So it's very important to listen. And then it's very important to let them finish without you auditing and correcting or over-commenting in between. Don't disrupt their flow. And once they finish, ask them how you can help them. That's more important that they open up to your help, whether or not you're able to justify all the reasons. Okay? Um, in any case... There's a space and time where you get a little hint and your kid might be more comfortable talking to a third party, you know, a, another, another friend, another psychologist, some kind of therapist. And if nothing, none of those work, more often than not, a lot of parents bring their kids to us because they don't want their kids to stay in therapy at a young age and then year on year, you know how long it lasts. For years and years once you're in therapy it's like an unending saga <laughs> it lasts quite long so for kids so for kids i think it's very important to see what can they do quickly um most often when you talk to them i think it's very critical to make sure that you are offering them help and if they say they don't want anything then just invite them to experience something together with you without needing to solve all the problems that they're saying, you know, don't justify everything. Um, when kids come to us, we normally talk to them and we work on their energy without at first needing to reveal all the dirty laundry. Okay. Because that's the problem. See, our old conditioning is that when we talk to people, we expect that, okay, open up your sad story, tell me everything that's wrong, and then we keep on reliving the trauma or the problems, and that makes you feel worse. So before we get into that roller coaster, we want to talk first and see, okay, how are you? You fine? Immediately get to action. Immediately, when we talk to kids, immediately we get to action. We give them exercises, we give them breathing, and then we guide them to ventilate their emotions internally. They release it with their intentions, without first needing to tell you all and everything. Once they do that, then as if they're lighter, and after that, you're able to talk, and then they're able to express more than what they could have said before, and with a new perspective, and, and while feeling lighter and better about it, rather than suffering or struggling with it. So our approach is a little bit different. We let you ventilate first, before we get in the muck. And then once we get into the situation, then we mentor, guide, and coach the children with specialists and also with youth mentors. And that's where I see beautiful transformation. Like I've seen youth who were in you know, manic depression for years 
And after going through maybe two or three months just together, you know, they're able to reclaim their life. They're able to get back to good health, not only mental health, good emotional health, good mental health, good physical health. They're able to regain their inspiration and, you know, win championships. They're able to get back out there and enjoy the zest of their life. So I've seen it from young kids who are like toddlers all the way up to 20-somethings. And I also work with adults. But these are some of the key ways in which we interact with kids. And as a parent, it's very important for you to do the same. If you cannot touch point everything, as long as they feel safe with you, bring them to the help that they need. It's not necessary for you to unearth everything under the carpet right away until the kids are ready. We can also ask Sasha, you know, she's been working with the youth as well. Sasha, you went through this program and now you've arrived on the other end and then become, an, you know, like an empowered uh, youth mentor and healer. So she's one of the byproducts of this. She's done it successfully. So maybe she might be able to give you her insight too. Yes, yes, please. Definitely. So I like what you said about immediately getting to action. Um, in my own personal experience, I I couldn't stand going to therapy or going to any other interventions like that because when you're at such a low point, it's difficult to even want to talk about it because it's all that's on your mind at that point. So for me personally, as much as I wanted to get better, there also wasn't that chance for me to have the willpower or the or you know to care enough to actually want to ventilate or talk to people about it and i think that through this healing it, it's been such a better avenue for me to be able to heal without having to air out my dirty laundry in the beginning as you said and then eventually i realized that i could open up and then it it feels like magic because it is magic and I realized that there was so much more out there than what I previously thought. And as the healing progressed, it wasn't just, as Rega said, wasn't just on the mental level, but I think that all areas of my life started to change. Um, in terms of my health, It I, I only realized when I was out of it what kind of dark tunnel I was in. But once I got to the end of that tunnel... There was so much light that I hadn't realized where I had been anymore. And at that point, um, I just had to springboard and jump to the next thing. So that's when I decided to also become a healer and a specialist with the mentorship of Rega and a lot of other senior mentors. So I think that there are so many youth out there right now that just don't know how to verbalize, don't know where to go. And as much as they would like help, it's difficult for them to talk about it. So I was really blessed that I got to talk to a lot of younger mentors and people that I can look up to without having to, you know, look up to them. As in, um, physically, we would be the same height. <laughs> but at the same time, I could, I could be so inspired to talk to somebody that is still... Um, within the same wavelength as me it's like I can I can be like that person um, and they aren't so far from me as somebody who's already much older still very wise but at the same time it's easier to connect to somebody closer to my age so as Rego said that's kind of also my personal sentiment on it it was easier to connect to my youth mentors um, and eventually I started to also grow and learn from the wisdoms that I got from that experience and then translate it into also helping others to transform. Amazing. That's what you call vibing. The vibes are on. <laughs> so, okay, so Sasha, now that you are sort of at the end of the tunnel in that bright area already, what should you do? What should be done? What do you think should be done if a loved one is not opening up to, to us, to, to parents or to family and friends about their depression? How would we go about bringing them or suggesting a third party to them if they won't op open up to family or, or friends? Well, in my personal experience, uh, it was like, 
I, I wanted help. I didn't know how to ask for it. So as much as the children are resistant at first or very quiet about it, I think that it still holds merit to be the first one to reach out for help. So if you ask a third party ahead or talk to them, then sometimes the kids can appreciate it, you know, later on. Sometimes they can appreciate it right away. But even for me, uh, even though I had difficulty asking for help, I really did appreciate it when my parents found this and when my parents brought me here. And I think that that's one way to go. For some other kids, maybe they're also still... Um, more reserved and if if it's not yet the right timing for them based on what you palpitate and Rega can maybe also give her own insights but if they're not able to re- be receptive yet then I think what's good is for the parents to also go for their own for their own discovery and to learn more and to work on themselves so that you can also you can also be a better receiver of or a better a better person to talk to about that like what Rega mentioned if you're gonna be an auditor a defender an offender uh when your child brings up something it's not always the child's fault right it's not always uh, even if the child might be sick it may be the sickness is coming or stemming from some issues with within the family or some issues in school so i think that sometimes we also have to look inwards even as parents, to see maybe what am I contributing to towards this ache or this pain that my child has. And even karmically, I think it's important for us to think about that because you do have that relationship with your child. Um, there are ups, there are downs. But if you would like there to be more ups, then you would also have to put in the effort and put in the work to heal and to allow for them to open up to you because some some people just happen to have uh, a better affinity with their children some people don't but that's something that Rega has taught me and several others on how to actually heal and empower your relationships with different people especially between children and parents because that's also her specialty so Rega you have insight on that healing begets healing I love it yeah, for sure. Like for me, I always start by profiling the children and the parents, you know. Um, don't treat all apples for apples kind of an attitude because there are some kids who are like uh, the Mother Teresa type. They're more gentle. They're more soft. You need to tread tread lightly with them, take a more emotional and soft approach. And when you consider their feelings about how are you feeling, then they will open up because it's about their feelings. Some kids are more mental, even at a young age, you know, like the Einstein types. For them, they don't want to be too mushy-mushy. They don't want to expose emotional weakness. Maybe for them, it's a mental complexity. It's a breakdown in their mental belief system, which has got them overwhelmed and depressed. So for them, you really have to ask them, what's on your mind what are you thinking about what are your thoughts about your latest situation so you see the search questions are not the same like for example if i had like a you know like a willpower like a moses type of kid who's very strong very demanding and very fast very intense all the time and then suddenly that kid is depressed hey hey, what's going on you know, so you have to see that the the way to deal with a, a power-oriented child who is now depressed is different from an uh, emotional, soft, gentle Mother Teresa type or uh, Einstein type, you know. It's different from a Joan of Arc type who are the very devoted and sentimental children who are like always out for a cause. The kind of kids who are young, but they're trying to protect their parents. Have you seen those children? They're very young and as if they are the guardians of their parents, even at a young age, they're trying to take care of their parents more than, more than you know, and they're discounting their own well-being, especially if there's a lot of crisis at home or there's, you know, or there's marital issues or there's other kind of family problems at home. You see some kids are sacrificial in that sense or some kids are ritualistic. 
they are very structured and very ritualistic and uh, they have a certain cadence and when their rituals or their routine gets disturbed they get really off balance so there are in our system there are eight different types of profiles where we need to understand what is it that motivates the child that uh, you know denigrates their performance what are their strengths weaknesses what are their sources of fulfillment and joy in life and what are the biggest threats or risks that are posed to them in their path so we profile the kids and we profile the parents and that's the time when you're like aha now what are we facing we're looking at the alchemy or the relationship between the kids and parents so if you have a very soft mother teresa daughter and your parent is like a dalai lama you're okay soft mother soft daughter you can communicate but if you are a, a soft daughter and your mom is like a margaret thatcher you know like commander <laughs> she's a ceo at work and when she gets home she's still a boss at home you know then you see the mismatch between as if you're so successful in taking care of 200 employees but when you get home you can't handle one kid Are these profiles based on actual human beings? Yes, of course. These profiles are there are eight archetypal profiles of human temperament and we have a profiling system. So these are uh so this is really something that I'd love for kids and parents to go through because that's where you start understanding how to deal with each other. Like when you're asking me what to ask and how to deal with them, You need to know your type and your kid's type so you know how to approach them. You know if you're communicating with them in the way that works for them. Right? And then it's easier to tackle their depression, to tackle the kids' anxieties or any other mental health or emotional health challenge. So profiling becomes one of the very important things. Um the other thing is if I have, you know, like I have a young kid and I've seen a lot of young children as well. and some of them tell me oh ms raga my life is so hard <laughs> and they're 6 years old <laughs> oh difficult five and six year olds tell me i'm so stressed my life is so difficult these days like i can't handle it anymore i'm like you're six years old where is your stress coming from <laughs> you know you're and you're saying that your life is too difficult and too hard so we need to really be able to get to the bottom of it and they open up if you know what you're doing so profiling is one second is that i usually as as a parent i i recommend parents to just tell them hey let's go meet my friend let's go meet my friend rega or let's go meet my friend sasha and you don't have to make a very big fuss about it because we meet them very nicely <laughs> we meet them in a warm and open-hearted way where you do not feel that clinical approach or that you know that that very sterile environment because you're not bringing them to a hospital or something you're bringing them to another human being who really cares and who has tools to help and who will help unfold the situation in a safe and secure way so talking to them profiling them bringing them in to experience something without making them commit to a long thing like i tell them okay let's go and meet them once we're just going to meet someone we meet if they like it or they're open to it then the kids will be the ones to say okay i feel better i don't know what they did but i like it i'm open to doing it again that's when you say okay then let's go and let's do this for the next two or three months to help you you know uh strengthen yourself and get ready for next year in school or whatever it is that they need and i like that the kids have to buy in i don't like for the kids to feel that they're being forced into something so experience is a key they have to experience and they they have to sense and feel that it's good for them it's benefiting them and they buy in and then i see kids even telling their parents saying oh i really want to do this they're the ones reminding their parents like oh it's thursday again i need to log in you know um So then those children who were like not responding before are the ones taking charge because we boost their willpower. <laughs> so when your will is low, depression is high. You know you know what a seesaw is like, right? It's like a seesaw. When the willpower is low, your depression swings up. 
when you increase the willpower, it's like an inverse relationship, depression and anxiety automatically go down. And we have a lot of curriculum to improve our theory, our language skills. We have curriculum for EQ. Sometimes we have curriculum for IQ. But willpower is a very untouched domain. So how to boost the willpower in kids, the will to be, the will to overcome, the will to progress, the will to move forward. When that gets ignited, as if their depression and anxiety are automatically and naturally waning away and going down. So talk to the kids, give them a chance and say, hey, let's meet so-and-so. I'm going, let's go together. And that's just like a very simple and light way. And if the kids are resistant or like, you know, for example, I've seen kids who have been non-functional. They're hiding under their blankets in bed and don't talk to anyone. They don't want to get out of bed or brush their teeth or say what's going on. They're just like hibernating, for example. So in these cases... Um, which coincidentally was my case. I went through this when I was a youth, and that's why I'm here today too. So in these cases, when kids are non-functional and they cannot figure out why they're depressed and they're so overwhelmed, that's when I say, let's bring the parents in. Let's start the healing with the parents because our energies are so connected to our kids. You know how when something is wrong with a child, the mother just has a sense? Mm-hmm. Right? Because like when you're in the womb, you're connected in your navel. Even when you grow up and you get out of the womb, you're still connected with energy. Mm-hmm. And your parents can sense that if they're sensitive. So even without saying anything, yeah. it's like an ESP. You know, moms have some superpowers for sure. And dads too sometimes. Yeah. And these superpowers kind of without needing to know, help us to read or palpitate each other's emotions. And when we know something is going on, we use the parents as the front runners to help heal the parents and help heal the trauma or the condition through the parents. The parents act as a proxy until the kids open up and they're more able to participate on their own. And this is one of the ways that the system becomes breakthrough because you don't need to drag children to a clinic against their will. You can start without them because we can heal at a distance. See? We can heal at a distance. Um, Whether you're in person or online, it always works. So we just start with the parents and then get the kids on board if they're not already ready from the get-go. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense because um, um, I agree, the mother's instinct, that that connection will always be there um, forever, right? So you can kind of... Sometimes even if your child tells you, oh, nothing's wrong with me, deep down, you kind of know something's off, right? If, if, the, if the connection is still there, I mean, if, assuming that the mom is also not dissociated and needing healing. And you know that a lot of the times, kids actually absorb the stresses and problems of their parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So when we're healing the kids, many, many, many times, you won't believe how often actually need to heal the parents together you heal as a family you know if you think that you heal in a silo that's not true (laughs) not at all (laughs) you have to heal the kids you have to heal the parents so that the family you cannot heal in a silo alone you have to bless the family the kids you have to heal the karma that triggered the issues yes and sometimes you have to heal the ancestral line very much so like um Sometimes I, I work with families and, you know, they have depression running into their lines uh, from, from their parents, from their grandparents and so on. So it becomes really important to heal them, especially if the grandparents have already passed away. What can you do, right? You can't bring them to therapy anymore. Yeah. <laughs> they are yeah. in heaven somewhere. So how do you deal with it then? How do you deal with this charge or this cross or this burden that is imposed on you? And you don't know where it's coming from, but it's just kind of weighing down on you. Then you need to be able to use energy to heal that ancestral line, even from the past, and even help them wherever they are, so that your share of that cross becomes lighter. So I think we can go to the part where let's assume that the kid is already agreeing. Okay, let's do 
let's do this, let's heal. Um, how can a parent support the child through the process? Beautiful question. Let's say that first we need to acknowledge that we also need healing as a parent. Mm-hmm. If something is off, I always suggest that they join together, you know, so you have to be nurturing and supportive. I encourage the parents to learn some of the techniques and strategies that we employ with the kids so that it becomes a bonding activity that you can do together, like some exercises, breathing techniques, visualizations that can benefit both. And when the parents learn together with the kids, it becomes like a common thing, a shared time rather than rather than you not knowing what they're doing. So I love to keep the parents involved as much as possible. I love for them to share that experience with the kids, to be able to learn what we're also teaching because one thing that I absolutely detest is dependency. You know, unlike traditional therapy, I don't want you to be my client for too long. Please don't stay with me (laughs) for one year, two years, three years. (laughs) I want you to get better and get going so I can help more people. So I don't like that old system where like once you're with a therapist, you're forever there. Like, you know, it goes on and on. So I want you to be free and independent and sustainable as quickly as possible. So my goal is not only to teach you what or to, to, you know, do energy medicine and energy healing for you, but very much so I want you as kids and the parents to learn the the energy management strategies and life skills that you will need so that by the end of the two or three months, you guys are ready to sustain that improvement and keep on growing and getting better, not only in terms of anti-depression, even in general in life. So parents can participate together with the kids Sometimes they even participate on their own, you know, like sometimes the kids join and the parents join and then sometimes together. That's how I like it. And then I want the parents to be able to learn what the kids are learning so that they can practice together from time to time and uh, just be open minded, open hearted and with an open soul. Then you will be able to embrace the next best steps for the whole family. That's so nice. I'm getting goosebumps. Oh my god. I see rainbows. Yeah, I got goosebumps too. My arms. My arms are now so um bumpy. <laughs> With goosebumps. <laughs> so Rega, in two to three months you can really see the shift in children with depression. Oh, yeah. Um, like I said, it, you know, because I deal with everything. I deal with extreme manic depression with hallucinations and substance abuse. I also deal with simple dysthymia and or sometimes bipolarity, sometimes esoteric depression. Esoteric depression is another category which uh, where there's no clinical cause and no clinical diagnosis is possible, but the kids are still depressed. So these are like what you call them, non-medical responders, where they have been treated clinically, pharmacologically, treated with yoga, treated with Ayurveda, treated with acupuncture, whatever you want, and treated with, you know, like uh, pharmaceuticals, and they're not responding. So I've even dealt I also deal with these kind of cases, which are non-medical responders out of the box. And with each of them, it takes a bit of a different timeline, you know, to be honest. Um, But most of the mild to moderate cases, two to three months. If they're very severe, it can be longer. It can be like uh, maybe four to six months, something like that. If they're very, very severe. And I mean, we're dealing with hallucinations, auditory hallucinations or visual hallucinations. We're dealing with sort of loss of sense of reality and, you know, um, sometimes substance abuse. It's all kind of a mixed bag. It's all kind of like a trick-or-treat bag and there are too many treats and not enough treats. Yeah. <laughs> so before we end, because, yeah, because parents and caregivers, as we know, cannot fill from an empty cup, how can we take care of ourselves while taking care of our loved ones with depression? That's so important. Um, I have been on both ends of the spectrum. <laughs> Until I became a server and adopted this as one of my advocacies. So I can share with you that um, when we want to help someone with depression, before that, we have to fill our cup. We have to be ready. So I like to advocate balancing your five levels of health. 
If, if we only think that our health is what's in our blood test or medical report and then refine, oh boy, are we in trouble. <laughs> if we think that as long as I'm not shouting at other people and screaming my lungs off, I'm not agitated and angry, then I must be fine. You know, my emotional and mental health must be okay. <laughs> That's a lot of common assumptions. So I like to advocate balancing the five levels of health. And that starts with your physical health, which means being aware of the condition and the strain on your body. If you have inflammation, if you have diseases, we need to take care of those in a healthy, natural, drug-free way without side effects. Then, So that goes for your physical health. The second level that we want to address is our vitality. Have you heard of like vitality or bioenergy or, you know, kind of like your energy level? It's like the battery. If your phone is the hardware, the battery in your phone is like your vitality. If you have battery, the phone will work. If you don't have battery, the most expensive and gorgeous phone will not work. So it's the same way your physical body is can be, you know, ripped from going to the gym. But if your vitality is low and you have low stamina, low energy, low vitality, it's hard to get things done. You strain and you struggle and you expend your life force. So balancing your physical health, your vitality, and then your emotional health is very, very important. When it comes to emotional health, I like to draw this big fat line and distinguish between emotional health and mental health because most often we lump everything together under mental health, right? We always say, oh, our mental health, it's not really mental. You know that most often when I talk to people, their problems are really emotional. Anger, jealousy, fears, insecurities, irritability, you know, um, getting upset. A lot of the things are unprocessed emotions. More people have emotional health challenges than mental health challenges, but there's no label. So if you can't, if you can't label it, you can't measure it, then you can't manage it. You need to start by acknowledging that this is a real yeah, thing. Yeah. So emotional health has to be addressed. And then you have your mental health. Mental health is more the well-being of your mind, the clarity of your mind, the calmness and stability of your mind to be able to understand what's going on, to be able to make good decisions for yourself, right? Because if our mind is clouded, foggy, or overwhelmed, even if the best choices are presented in front of us, as if it's hard to move, it's hard to pick, it's hard to execute. So mental health is very important. And this comes with our subset of belief systems and our thought processes. And then the last but not definitely not the least is our spiritual health. And when I say spiritual health, I'm not talking about just religion. You know, you can be religious or spiritual or religious and spiritual both or neither, <laughs> whatever, whatever, whatever floats your boat. But when it comes to spiritual health, I mean, your inner sense of well-being, your ability to connect to something greater, your ability to be inspired, your principles in life, the values and virtues that guide you. It can come from yourself, it can come from a book, it can come from scripture, it can come from wherever it is that you're ready for. But there has to be a framework that you live your life by certain principles and aspire towards goodness and growth, right? So we need to balance all these five levels of health, physical, vitality, emotional, mental, and spiritual. And to do this, there are simple things like self-care techniques, energy management techniques, um, personal development strategies, because you also don't want to stagnate. I like people to continuously grow and evolve and be able to empower themselves. So even you're an adult, you have to be like a schoolboy or a schoolgirl in the school of life. You have to remember to stay fresh. You have to remember to unlearn a lot of the things that you learned before so that you can relearn new things. And that way you're always pliable and dynamic to grow and adapt to life and be able to craft your destiny. Because we might say that our fate is fixed. Yeah. Destiny is something that we can carve. Destiny is in our hands. 
destiny depends on our choices. So just a simple step, a difference between saying, let's do something versus not, is part of how you will decide what happens to you. If fate is like a box, destiny is your position inside. You choose within these bounds, where do I want to lay? So take action, do your best, take care of yourself, nurture the people in your life, whether it's your children, or it's your friends, or it's your dentist, or doctor, or accountant, or whoever really helps you, or your grandparents, or your neighbors, nurture people. Because the more you nurture others, the more you will receive nurturing back. And your resource group that you most dearly rely on in your life will be able to be a, like a foundation of empowerment to support and fill many gaps that you may have as an individual but they can help fill those gaps in your family life and your personal journey. So build yourself, adhere to the five levels of health, keep fresh and keep on unlearning and relearning and rebooting yourself from time to time, audit yourself from time to time, and then build a strong network of resource people that you can nurture that will be there for you when you need it most. And if I didn't add the cherry on top, I would say do service and do good deeds in life. This applies to not only depression because I work with so many specializations and uh, I, I mentor and certify, you know, specialists from around the world. So I have really truly seen people who are doing good deeds and service in any way, whatever their cause may be. As if you have a little extra buffer, a little extra cushion, you can call it divine grace, you can call it good karma, whatever you would like to call it. It really, really helps to turn things around and and give you that extra lift when you need it most. Woohoo! Oh my gosh, I want to run out of my gate and wave ribbons and, <laughs> and send everyone healing energy. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. I wish one day we can even do a, a healing on your podcast, maybe. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for your healing presence and energy, Sasha and Rega. Oh my God. Yeah, I'm healed. Yeah. I'm healed now. That's it. End. End podcast. <laughs> it didn't take two months. I'm sending you lots of healing and inspiration because you have to be the beacon, you know. You are doing this good cause and good job of spreading these good news around the world. So I think you will deserve to have the healing energy and the good help from others when you need it too. I receive, thankfully. Thank you. Yes. If any of the things we talked about are concerns to you or your loved ones or people that you know, and you feel compelled to do something about it or to explore what resonates with you in our system, then please, you can go to www.widglobal.com. That's W-I-I-D global.com. And we can go for a free consultation for 30 minutes where we can connect you to a specialist who will do a profiling, assess your needs, and we can tell you how we can help Thank you so much. Thank you all. Um, Sasha, you know, thanks for connecting me with this beautiful podcast, with, with this dynamic duo of carrots and tin. MFO. Yes, Tita K. Nako, we have to check our, ano, our five levels of health. <laughs> <laughs> Parang hindi yata ako high on all those levels. I like what she said about unprocessed emotions. Like emotional health is important. Your unprocessed emotions are there, like <laughs> taking up the better of you. If you cannot name your emotion, then you cannot manage it. Then you cannot deal with it. Tama nga naman. Correct. I, I like what oh, she hi. said. Yeah, yung, yung when she said na it's not just mental health, but that's true, diba? A lot of mental health issues stem from unprocessed emotions. Mm -hmm. I feel that. And um, there's all of these, uh, I guess, new modalities on movement and how it can help. Oh my goodness, it can help regulate your nervous system. So, ah, oh, I love how our episodes are like complementing. Building on, oh, building one on another. Right? So your unprocessed emotions stem from something, stem from trauma, whatever. But if you cannot name it, then there are certain things that you can do, movement exercises to release mm. 
you know, maybe breathing techniques. And yeah, yeah I think I'm healed. I'm done na. I don't need to heal anymore. <laughs> you have reached the level of ano, self-actualization. <laughs> yes, now I can move on to being <laughs> one with the chaos. No? <laughs> and I also um, like what she said about the difference between being sad because sad is an emotion that is part of life. It is part of the human experience nga naman. However, if it is a lingering sadness and there are, you know, various layers of behavior, mm-hmm. ano ba yung na-mention niya? Like, loss sleeping, of appetite, sleeping, sleeping or, ins- or insomnia. And how we should not be combative and <laughs> poking the balloon. Oh, ano depressed, uh-huh. depressed yan. There's this video of Pedro Pascal on Saturday Night Live and he was... Um, he was dressed as a as a Hispanic yeah, mom. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> does not have depression. <laughs> he just likes the dark. <laughs> but I like that there is there are there is humor being poked at depression, which means that it is a topic that can be discussed and that should be yes, discussed. It should be discussed. Yes. Oh, I like the part where she said. You ask the child, what can I do to help you? Because that's so simple and so powerful. And we forget that. Sometimes nga, the first response is, how can you be so depressed? Your life is so good. Parang we're always um, assuming for our children that we know better or that they should feel this way. But when you come from the perspective of, I'm here to help you. What can I do to help you? I think the dynamic shifts and it becomes more uh let's work on this together oh this is our problem let's let's do this together and it's about like like even asking that what can we do what can i do to help you or i'm here for you you're laying the grounds for a safe space mm, right and when precisely. the child feels safe and seen maybe there is a chance that child will open up or if that's not the case maybe get a third part or third party agreement you can mm. get a third party <laughs> Liability, third-party third liability. Insurance. <laughs> <laughs> Ayan, si third-party, kausapin mo yan, child. And you're right, maybe a peer would be easier to talk to than yeah, a that's parent. that's a good perspective, yeah. On a pedestal. Mm. Or an adult, diba? Yeah. And when you are in a safe space, when you feel safe, then... You can regulate your nervous system. <laughs> yeah. goosebumps ako when you said a child just wants to feel seen and heard and understood. And sometimes I think that's the key lang eh. They just need to feel that my mom, my dad understands me. They see me. They, they're not minimizing my feelings or gaslighting me. Mm-hmm. Parang that's enough na to like open the door towards healing. Yeah, and and in the beginning of the discussion, I I love this. Look at us discussing this. So many points, so many points. I love this MFO. Like in the beginning, um, children are so busy. It's such a competitive world out there, and there is no time for idle play for boredom mm, and yeah. when you are bored you can sit with your feelings when you are bored you encourage uh, creativity and play mm, when you mm-hmm. are bored with a friend you encourage silly things uh, creativity does that not fall under yeah. creativity conversation yes. making I don't know making sense of the world being able to uh, articulate what's on your mind playfully seriously but yeah. now it's all uh, it's mostly online. But it's not wrong. It's just that that is the world today. So, how do we deal with that? Galing. I mean, yeah. I realized nga, when we were growing up, wala mo mga, diba, online games or whatever. So, people would, diba, make music. Kaya nga, meron mga garage band, literally, diba? The kids would... <laughs> L- the literal oh, garage diba? band and not the garage band we're using. Parang <laughs> kids were more creative nga back then. And it's really something that, that, yeah, the times have changed so much that the time for boredom and creative pursuits nawawala because we're trying to be productive, quotation marks, by doing something, diba? Like, we have to do something or even just 
play a game, be on your iPad, whatever, is doing something. And in yeah. reality, it's not really doing anything for your brain and for your emotions and for your well-being. Sabi nga ng our favorite junior matrona, go outside and forest yeah, bathe. Yeah, forest bathe. Oh. Yeah, so many things to do. Forest bathe, pero naka-iPad. Dapat walang iPad. Forest bathing. Oh, <laughs> talaga soak in the greens. Tingin ka sa plant. The fresh air. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. What an amazing episode. Grabe. Starting the new year with a bang. Yeah, talagang bang. Onwards to 2024. We're ready. We're ready for ya. So, Titas, thank you for hanging out with us. Let's do this again next time. Don't forget to follow the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. This has been the Tita Project with Din and Tita K. Let's chica soon. Oh.